Kia ora Church whanau, I'm Claire and I look after children's and youth ministry here at North Porirua Baptist Church. It's funny how much you can learn from teaching children about Jesus. In Lakeside Kids, over the month of February, we've looked at the theme of respect and we've been learning about how respect is showing others they are important by what we say and do. We actually had a look at the passage that I preached on last month about loving your neighbour. That was the first one for the term. We also looked at the story of Jesus visiting the home of Mary and Martha, where Martha learned that it is important to be still and listen to Jesus. And then last week, we looked at the story of the Roman commander who went and asked Jesus to heal his sick servant. Along with each of these stories comes a bottom line, a main takeaway that we want the kids to learn from that lesson. So as we looked at these stories, the aim is to teach the kids different attitudes of Christ. The week we looked at love your neighbour, the bottom line was show respect even when you don't get along. The week we looked at the story of Mary and Martha, the bottom line was take time to show others that they are important. And then last week, the story of the Roman commander, the bottom line was remember God is most important. The bigger picture and the bigger goal in telling these three standalone stories is that all the pieces of the puzzle would fit together and that the kids would learn a really rich picture of what respect is and how it looks as a Christian and why it's important to do these things as a Christian. Each of these bottom line takeaways are good lessons and good things to do on their own, but they're not meant to be isolated lessons. We're meant to put them all together to gain a higher level of understanding and to realise that we're talking about respect, showing others are important by what they, we say and do. And like I said, while all of these things on their own are still good things, we're doing them to show others respect. If we don't realise that this is the end goal, we can easily miss the point. We can easily look at each of these three standalone ideas and go about doing them, and they are good things to do, but without even thinking of respect. Have you seen this reel? It's one that's been going around on social media, and the caption says, he's a little confused, but he's got spirit. This is kind of what I'm talking about when I say that if we don't realise the end goal, the big picture, then what we're doing can lose a bit of meaning and we can easily miss the point. I feel like sometimes we can be a little bit like this little boy and as we try to go about living out what the Bible says. I mean, there's a lot about what he's doing that's actually spot on. He saw the woman fall, he raced to her aid, he's got a big heart, his moral compass is pointing him in the right direction. He put one hand on top of the other, he started compressions, but obviously he didn't quite grasp the big picture goal and he kind of missed the point. He did some good, he cared, he was there, he probably genuinely did make that woman feel a little bit better but he wasn't doing as much good as he intended to and he wasn't actually filling the need. When it comes to Christian living, we have the Bible to guide us, but the Bible is a big book filled with seemingly standalone lessons. Living a Christ-centered life is complicated. Learning how to live a life pleasing to God will literally take a lifetime, and we'll all be figuring it out for the rest of the, our lives. So there's no wonder that we're going to get it wrong every now and then, despite our best intentions. And God has mercy for that, for sure. So what am I getting at? 
I'm going to read you a passage from Matthew. And again, I'm opening to the Sermon on the Mount. If you were here last month when I spoke, I referred to the Sermon on the Mount as the following Jesus for Dummies guide. Because in this one sermon, Jesus manages to teach all the complexities of living a life pleasing to God. To start with, in the beginning of Matthew 5, Jesus is surrounded by only his disciples. And he starts by saying this to them. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. We know this passage as the Beatitudes from Matthew 5 verses 3 to 12. At this point, the disciples' minds could have already been blown. These lowly attributes were going to actually increase their stature with God and not demote them to the lowest point in society like their culture may have dictated. In verse 14 to 16, Jesus then goes on to say, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. That last verse is crucial, so I'm going to read it again. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. They will see you working hard. They will see you doing good and you'll get a pay rise. You'll be perfectly well liked by everybody. People will return all the favours that you're handing out to them. No, not necessarily, but they will see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So Jesus is saying that not only are you going to be blessed for your mourning, your meekness, your hunger and thirst for righteousness, your mercy, your pure heart, your peacemaking, blessed for being persecuted and insulted, but amidst all of this, as a person who's carrying that grief and empathy and suffering, you are the light of the world and you will show the world God. No one has ever seen God, but Jesus is saying that if we can be filled with his light, then the world is going to get a glimpse of him through you. Jesus refers to two things in this passage, salt and light. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made, salt, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Here's something I learned as I prepared for this sermon. In the time that Jesus said this, salt was actually very valuable, even used as a currency. I didn't know that. Roman soldiers received their wages in salt. The Greeks considered salt to be divine. 
the Mosaic law required that all offerings presented by the Israelites contain salt. So when Jesus told his disciples that they were the salt of the earth, he wasn't just talking about them being scattered around the people to enhance those that they were around, which is how I always took it to mean. The disciples also would have understood that Jesus was referring to how valuable they are as salt of the earth. And we might not recognize salt in the same valuable way today, but what Jesus said is still applicable to us. And remember, Jesus was calling his disciples salt. People that he knew for sure were trying their very best to live a Christ-centered life. They were trying to learn how to devote themselves to God, imitating Jesus as much as they could. And if we are living like that, then we can assume that Jesus would say the same thing to us. We are the salt of the earth. But what if the salt loses its saltiness? It could still look like salt. It could still feel like salt. Unless you get close enough to taste it, anyone would conclude that maybe it is still perfectly good salt. But... If the salt loses its saltiness, it is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. He's not just saying you see the salt without saltiness and go, oh, that's a shame, it's broken, maybe I'll sort that out later. He's saying it's no good for anything except to be thrown out. This reminds me of the other day when I offered my son Aaron a lolly. He looked in this jar of lollies and he went, oh, he was delighted. They all looked equally flavoursome and delicious. So he picked one out and started to eat it. And I was thinking, oh, what a cool mum I am for doing something that pleases my child. But then a few minutes later, he goes, mummy. And he looks at me with this look on his face and I go, what's wrong? He goes, this lolly is yuck. And I let him spit it out, throw it in the bin, wash the flavour out of his mouth. This yuck lolly was like salt without saltiness. It had the look, but as far as Aaron was concerned, it was no good for anything except to be thrown out. I feel like this is a huge call out from Jesus. Jesus is kind of saying that just being a good person won't cut it. Just a good person without the Holy Spirit filling their life, or just a good person who is not striving to imitate Jesus, is no longer good for anything. But he goes on to say this, to his disciples, who he knows are devoting their lives to imitate him, you are the light of the world. And again, if we are confident that we are devoting our lives to imitating Jesus, we can assume that he would have said the same to us. People who are wholeheartedly devoted to following Jesus' example are the light of the world. And he says, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Again, my wonderful five-year-old son has started on occasion to give me some attitude. (laughs) And one of the things he's been doing sometimes is he'll respond to something I say or a question with, ah, hello, As if to say, come on, mummy, how could you be so vapid? Hello, how could you miss that point? And I must say, as I prayed over what to speak on, I got the sense that God was like grabbing me by the shoulders and saying to me in this exasperated way, hello, don't miss this point. This is the whole point. Devoting your whole life to Jesus, not just because it's a nice thing to do, even though it is, not just because it will please God, even though it will, 
but because then others can see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Your life, your devotion to God will turn others towards him. And it's the whole point. This is what completes the picture and brings that higher level understanding to what we're doing on this Christian walk. This key piece of knowledge is what's going to take you from being like a little boy, performing CPR on a shin, on a perfectly conscious woman, to being like a first respond paramedic who actually saves lives. The little boy and the paramedic both have the same intentions. They both have pure hearts. They both have a moral compass pointing them in the right direction. They both have the urge to do the right thing. They're both good people, but only one of them is actually going to be successful in the bigger picture task. If you are a committed Christian, then I'm sure it's a given. You know it's a good idea to know Jesus. You know it's a good idea to have the Holy Spirit fill your life. You know it's a good idea to let your life shine so that the world can see your Christian living. And while these are good standalone lessons, they are not meant to stand alone. And when we look at how Jesus taught on them as interconnected ideas, we gain more understanding. And these separate ideas gain more purpose when we see them together. And then when we know the why, the so that, we gain more understanding and purpose in what we're doing. It's hard to get this far along the process because like I said, the Bible is a big book. There's a lot to get through and a lot to understand to maybe get to a place where we're ready to be salt of the whole earth and the city on the hill for all to see. First, maybe we're focusing on just finding Jesus and turning towards him. Then we tend to focus on being refined like gold and silver and letting God call things out of us one at a time, drawing out imperfections so that we can live life for Jesus and do these good deeds. But hello, it's so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. It's scary to know that sometimes, despite our best intentions, we can accidentally miss the point. I don't know about you, but I'm feeling pretty motivated to not lose my saltiness and to not have my light hidden under a bowl. I don't want Jesus looking down on me, going, oh, she's a little confused, but she's got the spirit. The overarching purpose here is to point people to God. And as we've been hearing from Jeremy over the past few weeks, it's a huge privilege and a huge responsibility. And it's the whole point. Don't lose your saltiness. Don't hide your light. In the same way, salt enhances the flavor of food, followers of Christ stand out as those who enhance the flavor of life in this world. Christians who are overflowing with the Holy Spirit and are living in obedience to Christ like the disciples were, will inevitably influence the world for good. Where there is strife, we are to be peacemakers. Where there is sorrow, we are to be the ministers of Christ. Where there is hatred, we are to exemplify the love of Christ returning good for evil. Where there is a brother or sister in Christ with a need, we are to step in and help as much as we are able to. We have needs within this church. We have people who need lifts to church. We have a working bee coming up. We have um, some needs around the building. 
We have a need for volunteers at Lakeside Kids. We need tithers. We need people who can play instruments and sing to join the worship team. Hallelujah, you're right. We have a real opportunity right in front of us to be salt and light, not just because it's nice to help out, even though it is, but because others will see this love we have for each other. They'll see our good deeds and they will glorify our Father in heaven. They had it so spot on in the early church in Acts. Jeremy shared this passage just two weeks ago where the, the early church show the perfect example of salt and light. Acts 2, 44-47 says this, All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. They were salt and light. They were doing good deeds, others were seeing, and God was being glorified. How do we know they didn't miss the whole point? How do we know all of this was to point others to God? Because we can see right at the end there, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. For sure it was an accomplishment for the people who introduced others to Christ, but all of it was to glorify God, not for their own stature. All of our good deeds, all of our studying the Bible, all of our suffering for Christ, our whole lives lived for Jesus so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Keep seeking out Jesus so that others would see God and glorify him. Keep doing good deeds so that others will see God and glorify him. Keep caring for your Christian brothers and sisters. Keep loving your neighbour, no matter who they are or what they've done. Keep standing by your Christian values, even in the face of a world that does not agree with them, so that others would see God and glorify him. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for the opportunity that we have to go out and share your message. Thank you for the opportunity that you've given to us to go out and show you to others. What a blessing. Please, Lord, help us to be able to do this. Help us to be able to do a job that is pleasing to you. Help us to remember that as we go about our lives and the good and the bad and the easy and the hard parts of following you, that we would remember that the greater purpose here is to point others towards you and that that would help us to get through it and that would not forget the bigger purpose that we're actually trying to fulfill here. Lord God, please be with us as we go out to our week. Um, and I just pray that you would reveal real opportunities for us to go ahead and be salt and light so that others would see you and glorify you. Amen.